morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to look at God's principles for giving this morning. God's principles for giving as we close out our missions month and kind of focus in on our missions giving commitments. Um, I'll use two terms. I need to just use one of them, but I'll use two different terms as we talk about it. Faith promise and grace giving. It's the same thing. Um, grace giving is a more modern uh, term. Uh, many would argue a more biblical term for it, but uh, it really is the same thing. Uh, for our giving, and it's the philosophy or the method that we've set up here at our church for our missions giving. The idea behind faith promise is promising by faith to give what God has told me to give. The idea of grace giving really is the same thing by the grace of God giving what God desires for me to give. And, uh, and so we make these commitments, and again, it is the way that from the beginning of our church we set up to be able to give to missions. When we started the church, we didn't have anything. Um, literally, uh, you know, nothing for, for day one, and the Lord's provided so much since then. But we knew that we wanted to support missionaries, and, and we knew that, that we needed to support missionaries. I, I subscribe to the philosophy that if you don't support missions, uh, God won't bless the church. And we want God to bless the church. I've had people tell me you shouldn't support missionaries until you, the pastor, are fully paid. Well, I knew that was going to be a while. I thought, well, I don't want to wait until that happens um, because, to be honest with you, I don't know if that would happen. So we wanted to support missionaries. And so we set up this grace giving or faith promise giving a few months into our church, and God allowed us to support three missionaries uh, there that first year of the church. Not, not at a great amount. We supported each of them at $50 apiece. Uh, so we were giving $150 a month, the people that were in the church, not just our family, but uh, total we were giving $150 a month. And uh, the Lord has blessed that to where now uh, we're at over $10,000 uh, in annual giving uh, to missions. And uh, it's exciting to see what the Lord has been doing through our missions program. Last year we made a large jump uh, in support and we're appreciative of that. And we're praying the Lord would allow us to grow again in our giving uh, to allow us to add more missionaries to our, uh, um, to our missions wall out there as well. So, but 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I think, gives us three good principles uh, for giving, and specifically missions giving. Start with me in verse 1, if you will, please. It says, Moreover, brethren, do you to, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how then in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look at the topic of missions giving, and specifically looking at biblical principles 
to give to missions. And Lord, I pray that today as I present these verses and thoughts that I would do so correctly and clearly. And Lord, I pray that you would move in us to give more this year uh, in missions. And Lord, we know that you supply our need. And so, Lord, we seek for you to give us the wisdom and the guidance for what we should give. And then, Lord, the provision so that we can give. So help us today, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want us to look at three things this morning in regards to giving. Number one, I want us to look uh, at the idea of give regardless of your problems. Give regardless of your problems. Verse number two, it says how that in a great trial of affliction and the abundance of uh, of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Give regardless of your problems. You know, Satan uh, will always hold you back. When it comes to doing what God wants us to do, and, and again, I say this, and I've said this many times this month, and, and I just want to make sure we understand. When we ask you to give, we ask you to give in obedience to God. Uh, so we're asking you to pray and ask God what would He have you to give and then give what He would have you to give. We're never just trying to empty your pockets. Uh, there are churches that do that, but that we're not one of them. Uh, we're not just trying to shame you into giving or anything like that. We want you to obey God. And so we ask you to pray and ask God what you should give and then give what God tells you to give. But Satan is always going to hold you back. He is always going to put something in your life uh, that is going to affect you financially when it comes to you giving to God. When you say, God, uh, you tell me to give this and I'm going to give this, there's a good chance that Satan is going to do something at some point to try to hold you back from giving. He is going to either bring something in your life that is uh, a hardship. We'll talk about more of that more in a minute. Uh, he might also bring something into your life that is just a good deal. Uh, boy, that's a good price. Uh, now, if I pay for that, if I buy that, then I wouldn't be able to give this month. Uh, but how could I pass up such a great deal on this great thing that I saw on TV at 3 o'clock in the morning that's on sale now for only five short payments of $29.99? Uh, you know, something like that. Uh, God, uh, Satan will always put something in your life that is going to try to hinder you from doing what you're supposed to do. And not only that, there are times where God will place something into your life that is going to put you to the test. It's going to test your faithfulness. Now, uh, we see here a couple different things. We see, though, in verse number 2 that there is a trial. We don't know what the trial is. It doesn't tell us what the trial is. There's maybe some persecution. Uh, there's maybe some hardships. There's other things going on. But it says, how that in a great trial of affliction. So we know that there is a trial going on here in this church but we also know that this church is a faithful church. It's a giving church, as we read through in these first seven verses. But we have to understand that trial here, it literally means putting to the test. Putting to the test. So you are going to be put to the test. Look at Job's life. Job experienced not a trial, but trials. He was put to the test. And all throughout Scripture, we see different examples of this. The children of Israel were put to the test. They had trials. Uh, every, uh, basically, every character, if I can use that term, every person that we read about in Scripture that is known as faithful. If you go through Hebrews 11, we did this in, in Sunday school last week in the men's class. You go through Hebrews 11 and you see these people who are listed and specifically named by God as faithful. They went through trials. They were put to the test. 
And you see, you have to understand that when we, when we commit to give what God has told us to give, we need to give regardless of our problems because we are going to experience trials, tests that are going to put your faith to the test. I like the term faith promise giving because it reminds me that, that, that my faith is important, <laughs> that my faith in God is important, that, that I have made a commitment to God to give and that I, I'm giving something that, that I don't uh, believe that I believe is out of my, uh, uh, my range of giving. That if I could cut it back $15, I'd feel more comfortable. Um, that if I could cut it back $40 more, I'd feel more comfortable. I'd have a little bit more change in my pocket, a little bit more uh, money to go a little further in the month, whatever it may be. So it's by faith that I'm promising to give what God tells me to give. But I also understand that by faith, I have to give even when I have trials come up in my life, even when my faith is put to the test. Will I pass that test? I like taking tests. I'm weird in that way. I hate school with a passion. But when I was in school, I loved test day. I enjoyed taking tests. One reason why is because I got done a whole lot faster than a lot of people. And so in college, on test day, you finish the test and you can leave. And I was like, this is great. So I get the test. I'm done in about 10 to 15 minutes, and I'm gone. Normally a 50-minute class, and this is wonderful. Now I can go to lunch, uh, or I can go to what someone would kindly call it second lunch. Uh, you know, you just never know. You have opportunities here because it's test day. I like taking tests, but you know what I don't like? I don't like having my faith tested. But you know what happens is I get my faith tested on a regular basis. And when it comes to missions giving, the same is true. When we commit by faith to give what God has told us to give, there are going to be trials along the way. There are going to be tests along the way. There's going to be hardships along the way. And I encourage you to give regardless of your problems. Here in verse number 2, we read of this church who faithfully gave in spite of a great trial of affliction. And we should as well. Number two this morning, I want us to understand we should give in poverty or prosperity. In poverty or prosperity. Again, verse number two, it tells us that not only uh, did through their great trial and affliction and the abundance of their joy, it says also, and their deep poverty abounded unto riches of their liberality. What is poverty? That's a good word to define, especially in America because uh, sometimes we over-exaggerate poverty. According to the statistics in 2022, which is this year still, uh, one-person household poverty line is set at $13,590. A two-person household is set at $18,310. This is annually. Uh, a three-person household, $23,030. A four-person household, that's my house, uh, $27,750. It's good to know I'm not poor, uh, uh, so that's a wonderful thing to know. Not in great poverty there. A five-person household is $32,470. A six-person household, $37,190. I don't know that we have anybody higher than that, but seven persons is $41,910, and an eight-person household, $46,630. So that's the poverty line currently in America. So I would assume none of us are there. Um, probably most of us are not where we would like to be, but none of us are there. 
Then the question is, if we, can, if we can put it in our numbers, in American numbers, so for me to be in poverty officially, in my house, it's $27,750. Alright, well these people in this church were not in poverty, they were in deep poverty. So again, in my numbers now, what is deep poverty? If poverty for my household is $27,000, I would say deep poverty is $15,000. I don't know. Can you imagine being a family of four trying to live on $15,000 a year? No. <laughs> it couldn't, couldn't work. So these people, and I don't know, we don't know the whole situation, but these people here, it says they were in deep poverty. So if you look at it in American numbers, look at it for your household, whatever it is, what would you consider to be deep poverty? Imagine living on that, and then imagine giving on that. So I'll just use the poverty line for our family, $27,750. Uh, now to give tithe, we set that minimum at 10% for our house. Uh, and then on top of that tithe, missions giving. So now I'm taking out of that $27,750, I'm not going to do the math for you today. Don't spend too much time worrying about it. It's not that important. But 10% of that, plus missions giving on top of that, plus paying my bills, feeding my family, getting clothes to wear, uh, gas. Uh, you know, that's pretty much a month's worth of gas right now, right? Uh, so we see it all kind of adds up very quickly. And you probably think to yourself, maybe not, maybe you're more spiritual than I am, but I think to myself, if I'm trying to live on $27,750 a year, and on top of that giving, and what they say here is giving abundantly or liberally, boy, I just can't see how that works. But you know what? These people did it. Even in their deep poverty, even through their trials, even through their struggles, they still gave. And not only did they give, they gave what God says is over and above. More than what you would think. And they gave to help the Word of God get spread throughout the world. They found it important. And so even in their poverty, they gave. Your spiritual wealth, spiritual wealth, will determine your giving attitude, not your financial wealth. These people in this church were spiritually wealthy. They were close to God. They followed God. They obeyed God. They depended on God. They were living obediently to God. And because of that, their giving attitude was positive. They gave more than you can imagine. I don't know the amount, but everything that we read here, they gave and they gave a lot. And they were not physically wealthy, but they loved the Lord and they obeyed God. And their giving attitude was right. A lot of times we allow our financial wealth to determine our giving attitude, right? We get, we get there and, and uh, we get something, we get a, a bonus, and we're trying to have the conversation. Are we supposed to tithe on a bonus? Um, I believe yes, but uh, you can take that up with God. 
Uh, are we supposed to tithe on gifts? Are we supposed to tithe on whatever? And so you have the conversation like, well, now, now we have this, so we can actually do this thing that we wanted to do. Maybe it's a family vacation. Maybe it was uh, uh, replace an appliance that needed to be replaced. Maybe it was fix some things in the house. Maybe it was whatever it needed to be. And you came across this money, and then, and then you felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to give to whatever it is. I don't know. And the way we oftentimes will look at it is we'll look at our financial wealth or lack thereof, and that'll determine our giving. And when we do give, we don't always give happily. We give out of shame, we give out of duty, we give out of uh, um, uh, a spouse making us, we give out of whatever it is, and we give, but then we're just going, I hate doing this. I told you the story, I think, before, but there was one time my dad was out of town. Uh, this was back in the late 80s, and, uh, and we were at church, and my mom, uh, was uh, the offering plate was coming, and she had two bills in her wallet. One was a $20 bill, and one was a $5 bill. She meant to put the 5 in the offering plate. She accidentally put the 20 in the offering plate, and it goes on down, and she sees that $20 bill walking away from her, uh, never to return, and now her and her two beautiful loving, adoring children are sitting there with $5 to their name until daddy returns uh, in a week. You can imagine, if you're like me at least, you can imagine the fear, the anxiety, the uh, pure torture of that mistake. Now, when we give to God obediently and we watch that money leave our bank account, head down the aisle, whatever it may be, we shouldn't watch it go in pure torture if we're being obedient to God, if we're giving what God told us to give. It's not a mistake. What my mom did was a mistake. She grabbed the wrong bill. But if you're giving what God tells you to give, you should be able to give with a good attitude, with a cheerful heart, knowing that I've given what God told me to give, and in spite of, or possibly not, but in spite of my financial wealth, the money that God told me to give, God will bless and God will provide for me as well. Your spiritual wealth will determine your giving attitude. Would you turn with me, hold your spot here, we'll be back here in just a minute, but turn with me to Revelations chapter 3 and let's look at an example of this. Spiritual wealth versus physical wealth. Revelations chapter 3. Look in verse number 17. Here is the letters to the churches in Revelation. But he says here in Revelation 3 in verse number 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, uh, that thou mayest see. Here he's talking to a church where he says to them, they are physically wealthy, but they are spiritually poor. And he says, you're sitting here with this money and these riches, and you think, I have need of nothing. He says, in reality, you are wretched, you are poor, you are naked, you are miserable, and they don't even see it. They're in for a big surprise. 
And you see, that's where we sit oftentimes when we have provided for ourselves, we don't realize how far off the mark we are. And sometimes we think, well, if I had lots of money, then I could give and I could help and I could uh, bless and all those kinds of things. And God says, you don't need that. You need God. If you have God, and if you're following God, and if you're obeying God, then you can bless, then you can give, then you can help, because you've got everything you need if you've got God. And these people, they had all the money that they could possibly think of, yet God viewed them as wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I encourage you with this simple thought, Quit worrying so much about your physical wealth and be incredibly concerned with your spiritual wealth. Where are you with God? Now listen, we all know the importance uh, in, in this life of money. Uh, we've got to pay bills and we've got to feed our family and the government you know, needs their part and all these kinds of things. It's important. I know people who don't feel like the government needs their part so they don't give it to them. Well, that's not what the Bible says to do. Um, so pay your taxes. Um, we look at all these different things in life and we try to, um, we try to rationalize our giving. If you think through Christ and you think through God, and what God asks of people, it's not rational many times. Remember Christ, uh, as He's gathering up disciples, what did He ask them to do? Leave your income. Now, I'm not saying God's asking you to do that. <laughs> but think through it for a minute. Hey, fishers, where you get all your money from, uh, stop. Stop fishing. Stop working the business. Follow me. That's not rational. Uh, he, he did that with pretty much every disciple. They left their job to follow Jesus. When you think of the things of God, I'm telling you, there's just a lot of it's not rational to, to what we think is rational. But all of it's perfect if you're following God because if God tells you to do it, He's going to see you through it. Because if God says, follow me, and you follow Him, He's going to take care of you every need. When it comes to our missions giving, I, I, again, I've encouraged you with this, to pray about this. But it's not about what I can afford. It's about what God can afford. It's about what God will do. There is nothing more exciting then saying, God, what would you have me to do? And God says, I want you to do this. And you saying, Lord, that doesn't make any sense. But okay, I will do it. But God, I need you to take care of me. And then watching God take care of you. There's nothing more exciting. I, I mean, I can tell you countless times that we've seen God take care of us when we did what God told us to do, even though it didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to us. And you will see it. What does the Bible say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you will take the bite, you'll find it to be good. God is good. He's faithful. He'll take care of you, I promise. Give in, in poverty and prosperity. If you are rich, give. If you are poor, 
give. If you're in the middle, give. Give it no matter what. Number three, and lastly this morning, I hope you guys will forgive me if we finish early today. Um, number three, uh, I'm not promising that we will. We still got, anyways, all right. Number three, give in power. Give in power. Look in verse number three if you're back in first, Second Corinthians chapter 8. It says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Give in your power and in God's power. Both of those things. There are kind of, I think, two different kinds of giving. There is uh, what we'll call, for sake of alliteration, grace giving, faith promise giving, giving um, uh, as God provides. And then there is also generous giving, or as it's referred to here in this verse, uh, their power. Things that they could do generously to give. Both of these things, grace giving and generous giving, start with the heart. It says in verse number 3, they were willing of themselves. In verse number 5, in the middle of the verse, it says, first gave their own selves to the Lord. It all starts with the heart. Where do we sit with God? Who has my heart? For where your treasure is, no, there will your heart be also? Yeah, okay. I want to make sure I didn't mix that up. Uh, where's your heart? You see, these, these people in this, this passage, this church, before they gave a dime, they gave their heart to God. They said, Lord, I surrender to you. Whatever you want, it's yours. Lord, whatever you want of me, I will do. You have my heart. They gave of themselves first. And then after that, they gave financially. They gave materially to help missionaries, to help church plants, to help the gospel be spread throughout the world. Margaret Thatcher said, No one would remember the Good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions he had money as well. I believe by that she was kind of poking at the fact that if the Good Samaritan were poor, we wouldn't know anything about him. But I think she's wrong. Because it's not about what you have, it's about what you do with what you have. You see, when we have, we think, oh, now I have, so now I can give. And sometimes we have so little that we think, well, there's nothing I can do to be a blessing to anybody else because I need someone to be a blessing to me. The reality is, is what I have, God gave me. And if I will use what I have to honor God, sometimes that'll mean just being generous to other people. You see, sometimes when we get into missions giving, and, and especially me, I talk so much about faith promise giving, and the idea of praying and asking God what I should give, and we need to do all this, I'm not backtracking on that, um, and we're talking about giving above what we are able, what only God can do. But that doesn't take away the importance of us being generous to other people. Here these people gave, according to the Scripture, to their power and beyond their power. 
They were generous with what they had. Was that a meal? Was it clothing? I don't know. But they gave to their power and also beyond their power, which is the grace giving, the faith promise giving. What do you do with what you have? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just next, next page over for me. <clears throat> Verse number 7. It says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Here in this verse, there's three things for us. One, who gives? It says every man. Verse number seven. Every man. How do we give? Well, purposefully. So let him purpose, uh, excuse me, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. And then why do we give? Here the Bible says that uh, you should not give out of necessity, out of responsibility, out of duty. Well, uh, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to give this money. I know I'm supposed to give to missions and I better do it because if I don't, I feel like God won't bless me, which by the way, I believe. But that's not why we should give. So it's not grudgingly. I, I talk about this with missionaries. I haven't talked about it this year, but I've talked about it in the past years with missionaries. Sometimes we view people, people view missionaries as uh, these people who are just traveling around asking for my money, why don't they get their own job? The reality is a lot of missionaries can't get their own job, depending on where they're going. And, but we look at them and we kind of grudgingly give, well, those lazy bums, why don't they just go work? But God says don't give out of necessity, don't give grudgingly. And then it says... God loveth a cheerful giver. What does that point us back to? It points us back to our heart. Right back where it all starts. I find joy in missions giving. I don't find joy in uh, giving up money for a coworker. Most times, uh, I don't find joy in uh, paying come tax tax time. I don't find joy in a lot of things, giving money to other people. But the Lord has been so good to our family, uh, especially since we've done missions giving. Every year when we come to this point, it brings me joy. I promise you that if you will give regardless of your problems, that if you will give in poverty or prosperity, that if you will give in your own power and in God's power, you can be a cheerful giver. That, that maybe it's the first time you've ever done this, maybe it's early on in your life or done this, or maybe it's just been a rough year or whatever it may be, that when you're trying to figure out what you're going to give, what God wants you to give, can I encourage you? Don't do it just because you're supposed to. Uh, don't do it uh, grudgingly, a little bitter behind it. But say, God, I'm looking forward to how you're going to provide this. 
because he's going to. And you'll be able to look back and say, my goodness, as long as I gave, God provided. If you don't give, and God's told you to give and you don't give, or God's told you to give an amount and you give less, you can expect the hardship to continue. But if you'll give what God wants you to give, He will provide. He'll provide so that you can give. And He'll provide for your other needs as well. And in my experience, there's somebody in this room today that doesn't believe me. (laughs) That's been the case uh, as long as I've preached on missions giving. But I promise, if you'll just obey God, you'll find them faithful. So the question is, is, will you be faithful? Will you be obedient? Will you give regardless of your problems, regardless of your financial wealth status? Uh, will you give in the power that, that God has given you? If you will, I promise God will use it. Sometimes I look at our missions giving and I think, how does this amount of money actually help this missionary? It doesn't seem like a lot. Right now we send our missionaries $80 a month. It just doesn't seem like a lot in the grand scheme of things, right? How much money do you need in a month? Now granted, there are other churches that are giving as well, some more, some less. But what I'm continually reminded of is God said, Bible Pathway Baptist Church, Richmond, Kentucky, I want you to give this. And if you give it, I'll provide for you as a church and I'll provide for them as a missionary. And you know what? God's been faithful every time. So back to where we start, right? Ask God what He wants you to give and give it. It really is that simple. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray in our own lives, if there's areas that we need to improve in, areas that we need to be forgiven in, Lord, that today you would, you would uh, make us what you want us to be, mold us to what you want us to be, change us where we need to be changed. Lord, I pray as people uh, have prayed about what to give, I pray that you'd give peace and clarity. But Lord, I settle back on this thought. This church that we read of, they were willing of themselves. They gave their own selves to you. God, I pray this morning that we would do the same. That before we think of the the dollar amount, God, we'd go to our heart and make sure we're where we're supposed to be with you. So Lord, help us. Give us wisdom on what we should give, but help us in our own lives that we would be who and where you want us to be. Lord, I'm thankful that I can testify of your faithfulness when I've been obedient. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to show yourself faithful to each and every one of us. And Lord, would you use this church or that we'd have a, a true heart and burden for the need for the gospel all around the world. And Lord, that we would do our part, which you want us to do, to help missionaries and get across the world. So Lord, help us now, I pray in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes.